This is your host, Gourmet, and welcome to another episode of the Fat Guy Forum. I'm excited to have you back with us tonight, today, this afternoon, wherever time it is you're listening. And I, I, I've, I've honestly been saying tonight and today a lot when I do these, so I have to, I'm, I'm working on it. I'm working on that. But I am glad to have tonight's guest with us. Um, his name is Ethan Torgerson. Torgerson. And he is fit and ketoned on Instagram. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But I- I'm excited for you to get to know Ethan, hear a little bit about his story. We're going to have a great talk um, on this episode. And uh, Ethan, how are you doing today? How's things going? I'm doing good. Doing great, actually. Feeling full, you're, too. Yeah, you're full, of, you're full of some steak right now, aren't you? Oh, yeah. I'm stuffed. Uh, for, for people that don't follow Ethan's stories... He has been dry brining and then preparing a steak. Uh, you you started dry brining it 24 hours ago or yeah, a little more than that? Yeah. Yesterday morning. That's awesome. I, I I feel honored that I've got so many, you know, culinary culinary minded people coming on the show. Like, you know, I had a I, I had an actual chef and I've got, you know, we had our mutual friend. I have my our mutual friend Miles Telecron on here and he's He's a meat master, you know, teaches us all a lot of things. And, you know, so and I'm glad to know that. Oh, yeah. Just a, wa- just a wannabe. <laughs> Dude, I don't know. Looking at what you did today with that steak, I'm impressed. I'm definitely impressed and jealous of your. I'm jealous of everyone that has a grill. I, I live in the city. There's literally no safe way for me to have a grill because I'd have to oh, carry man. it up into my apartment when I was done. Because like <laughs> chaining it up outside, it would disappear. Like that's that's the part of the city I live in. So. I see people grilling and I, I get intensely jealous. So I'll try to put aside my jealousy for our talk tonight uh, as best I can, <laughs> as best I can. But I'm glad you're fueled up for this discussion. Um, we're going to we're going to just start. We're going to get we're going to dive right into things, get things started. If you want to tell us your get us into your story, Ethan, tell us where you're, you know, about you growing up and, and we'll, you know, take it from there. Yeah. So. You know, growing up. I honestly, like, just to start off, I kind of feel like I'm a lot different. I feel like mm. I'm a completely different person. I don't really feel like there's many pe- many people like me. And honestly, sometimes it it's hard. Like, it's something that's, I guess, in a way, kind of put me down. And that's how I felt my entire life. So growing up, I mean, in elementary school, I started to put on weight. My family moved um quite a bit because my dad had flipped a house and so he i mean he's a general contractor he built houses and he built one and we resold it so we we were on the move quite a bit and around third grade is when the weight just started coming on because we had just barely Mm. moved and i didn't have many friends so i sat home a lot and my family has always, always had, you know, treats and goodies in the house. And they were always in, what's the word I'm looking for? They, like, there was just a never-ending supply of, you know, sugary treats and 
snacks in my house. And I definitely took advantage of it. I didn't understand portion control when I was that little. And weight just started to come on. Um, I was pretty hefty. I was probably the biggest kid. One of, like, if not the biggest, one of the biggest kids in my third grade class. And I, it's not like I was severely obese, but I was obese. And mm -hmm. it was something that my mom had taken me to the doctors to, or taken me to the doctors for when I was younger. And the doctor's like, we need to get weight off you. And he gave me multiple recommendations of, you know, drinking water before a meal and drinking water after a meal just to help me, I guess, in a way, fill up and in the end, like restrict calories. And nothing worked because <laughs> I had this food addiction. I, I always ate um, my feelings when I got stressed out, when I was sad. You know, I always ate. And it's still something that follows me till this day. Um, but yeah, I, again, I, I put on a lot of weight and I got bullied in a new school. My brother was, went to the school as well. He was a couple grades ahead of me and he always stood up for me. And there was multiple times that he beat the crap out of these bullies, but... Mm. I always I was called fat, I was called chubby, I was made fun of in elementary school, and again, I, I moved quite a bit, so I went to a new school, and I didn't have many friends, and the friend that I did make, like one of my, like, the best friends that I did have in elementary school were skinny, all the girls loved them. Um, all the girls thought they were good looking, all the girls wanted to be with them. And so in a way, <laughs> I was the duff, the de designated, designated, ugly, fat friend. Mm. I was the, the kid that hung out with the good looking kids and almost in a way was just the third wheel in elementary school. And going back to at home, it had gotten to the point that my parents had threatened me to put a lock oh, on wow. the pantry door because I was sneaking food mm. in my bed at night. And so I had wrappers stuffed under my bed, like a lot mm. of wrappers. And, you know, there wasn't really much my parents could do because I always, I mean, they bought the stuff for like school lunches and I always got my hands on them. And, I know a lot of people are going to say, like, it's your parents' fault for the weight that you put on or you being obese. But I, I personally don't feel like it's my parents' fault because my other siblings, I mean, didn't have any issues. My other siblings at that time were, you know, lean. They were skinny and they didn't have issues with food. And also growing up, my, I mean, my older brother was always thin and I always wanted to be with him and with being this overweight it was a it was hard it was a real it didn't help with the self-confidence mm. and that's something still to this day even being married that I have an issue with is self-confidence and you know believing in myself and feeling good about myself 
And I was just always jealous that he he got the girls or everyone always liked him. And, you know, it it was frustrating growing up in my position. And, I mean, getting into high school, it wasn't that bad. I mean, I was big. I knew I was big. But I, I made friends. I was on the football team. So there were bigger kids on the football team. Um, and so it, it, it was understandable. I mean, I didn't feel like I was alone anymore because there was other big kids on the team. And I felt like I had friends that liked me for who I was. They enjoyed being around me. They, they didn't worry a much. They didn't worry about the weight that I had or how big I was. Um, but then again, I started getting bullied again in high school and it got so bad that even football coaches were bullying me. And it, it wasn't always about weight, but I just got picked on. Like it started like with weight and then moved to other things. And I got bullied through high school. And like I said, even football coaches got in on it. And I ended up transferring schools. And it's it's kind of embarrassing oh, wow. to say that I got bullied so much that I had to transfer schools. But, you know, it's in the past. It happened. Mm. Um, and it was, it was a good decision because I made great friends at the new high school. And, you know, with football season, I started to lean out just a little bit. I mean... I still didn't understand what portion control was, and I still had a really bad food addiction. I didn't realize how much food I was actually eating. I was downing packs of Oreos and eating those dino nuggets during lunchtime in high school and eating packs and packs of Pop-Tarts and eating giant containers of cold cereal in the morning for breakfast and so after the football season ended things started to catch back up to me and the weight just started to climb mm. and i hit probably 210 at my heaviest and i'm five feet eight inches and a lot of people may not think you know that that's not super heavy you're not that wasn't super fat but you know, like I said, it affects a person emotionally, especially when you've been bullied your entire childhood and through your adolescence. It's tough because it gets you, especially the older you get. Um, oh, for sure, man. And, and I think there probably are people listening who like we a lot of my guests have been people that have dealt with, you know, super obesity and, and those problems. But I, I think what I wanted to when we when we're talking, you know, is for people to see the impact that weight can have and those issues can have, no matter kind of where you're at number wise, like it still can be behavior that is reinforcing these patterns. Like I, I, I listen to what you've said so far and and I see, you know, the development of those those eating patterns and those behaviors, especially when you were dealing with strongly with the self esteem issues and the bullying and getting to the point that you need to switch schools. And you you come to this new environment and you're you're making better friends and kind of building stronger relationships that way, but those behaviors now are a part of you. Yeah, you know those those coping skills, those mechanisms, those hungers. Like it's still it doesn't just all turn off because one thing that might have contributed to it changes. Uh, I went through I went through that myself. Like when I was a very very large 
you know, kid, when we switched schools, we left the school I was in where I was being really bullied, but I, I was good at not telling people that it was happening. And we left because my parents separated and we moved all that jazz. And I made great new friends in the new school. It was definitely a fresh start, but my weight still soared because all those yeah. other patterns of behaviors were in place. So I, I, I think it makes sense that, you know, you saw those cycles repeating no matter where kind of how the circumstances shifted. So I, I, I don't think anyone listening can downplay the impact it was having on you. Yeah. And I mean, growing up, getting my license and, you know, having a car to drive around and get food. My parents mm. didn't have, they had even less control on my eating habits. Right. So I would go out to lunch like literally every day um, during high school and just get burgers, fries, like anything and everything I wanted. And I would pound the food. I ate as much as I wanted until I was completely sick. And the other thing that I've always struggled with is I'm the type of person to literally just swallow the entire thing. I don't chew and enjoy mm. my food and I eat super quick and I don't know why, but I almost feel like it's a competition <laughs> mm. when I eat and I eat super quick. And I feel like that caused me more issues because my stomach wasn't able to um, signal to my brain that I was full because I was eating so fast and right. food, by the time that food had hit my stomach, I had already consumed thousands and thousands of calories mm -hmm. and yeah, I ate and assessed like too much. So sure. You were out eating your satiety signals. Like there was no way, oh, yeah. there was no way for that message to get there. You know, there was no, you know, chew your food 25 times and put your fork down between bites. Like when you're, when you're eating that fast, like you can, you can get it in, and then by the time you feel hungry, you're well past hungry. You know, you're well oh, yeah. past full. And yeah, that I mean, it, again, that's something that I've always struggled with, and something that I, till this day, I'm trying to, I guess, find a way to help myself and mm -hmm. find a, what's the word? Something that'll help it, and I had to remind myself. Even like, like I said, till this day, I had to remind myself to enjoy my food, to chew my food mm. and savor it. So. Um, that makes, but go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say like, it, that makes, makes complete sense. And I'm sure there are people nodding their heads listening to that. Like, so where, where were you at when you, you know, you started to come through school and, and. Were you still big when you left high school? Like, how did heading into adulthood, like, what, what happened for you there? So. Because how old are you now, just to give people some context? I'm, I'm 24. So okay. that's the other thing. I'm, a, I'm quite young mm -hmm. <laughs> for the keto space. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't really feel like they're, again, I don't really feel like, I mean, yes, there's other people out there with the same beliefs, but I feel like. For the younger generation, like my generation, there's not very many. Mm. So I guess that's the target audience that I'd like to help out is people my age. And I will get into that later on. Sure. Um, with the Instagram page. But leaving high school, um, I ended up serving a mission for my religion. Mm -hmm. And 
I left at, I, I was 18. So I left to serve a two-year, like a full-time mission for my church. And I was sent to Mexico. Mm. Um, and going, like leaving on that mission, I, I told myself, okay, now is the, like, I want to change. I want to come back a completely new person. I don't want to look the same. I don't want to act the same. So I, I wanted to take advantage of that time that I didn't have the influence of my parents, of my friends, because this mission I was being sent to, I mean, there's, there were kids all over, there were young men all over the world. Um, so I didn't, I didn't have any friends coming with me. I was sent off on my own to mm. serve and to help with these other missionaries. But I was sent to Mexico, and now without all these influences, the only way I knew how to lose weight was calorie restriction. Mm. So starting out those two years, I tried to restrict calories, and it just ended up cycling back to me restricting and then binging cycles. Um, and I just pig out and stuff my face. but. I was also walking, I'd say I was walking probably 10 plus miles because we didn't have cars, we didn't have bicycles, and so we walked everywhere uh, we went. Oh, wow. So about halfway through my mission, I don't know if it was the stress of the mission, if it was the current companion I was living with, but... I ended up getting sick and even the bus rides, like the jiggling of my stomach would just make me feel sick. And I was mm. always bloated. I felt like throwing up. Um, I was either constipated or spending the entire day in the bathroom. Like it, things got pretty, pretty bad. So I went and saw a gastroenterologist in Mexico and i mean i understood the i understood the the language very well but when it came to medical terms it was just it was a little bit rough and so there was kind of a language barrier and so i don't feel like he ever really helped me he prescribed me a bunch of medication i would try taking the medication and nothing nothing worked and so i was taking like four or five medications that he'd prescribed each time oh, wow. I go back, he'd prescribe me another medication and nothing was getting better. I had one doctor telling me to eliminate all the fat from my diet and all the vegetable oils and to eat low fat, um, no flours or sugars and to eat vegetables and high protein, but low fat. Um, and again, I don't really feel like that made much a difference and I, I don't know how, I mean, I got tests after these two years and I don't know if it was because my thyroid was sick, but I hit a point probably the last couple months of these two years that the weight just melted like right off. Oh wow. And I'd got down to, I would say probably 140 soaking mm. wet oh wow and so 
my mm. parents hadn't seen me for two years. Yeah. And when I'd send them pictures during the week, they they were nervous. They were scared. They they thought something was seriously wrong with me because the weight had just melted right off. And I mean, at that time, I was still trying to calorie restrict, but again, it all ended up in those cycles again of of binging, and I ended up just making myself sick. But when I got home, the doctors the doctors ran just about every single test on me. They ran endoscopies, colonoscopies. They did a study called the gastro emptying study where they have you eat like radioactive eggs and then every hour they check your stomach um, using a machine to see how fast or how slow the eggs are being digested. Uh, I got my blood taken multiple times. I had my thyroid checked multiple times. I had, I, I honestly feel like I had it done, like all of it done. And they prescribed me more medication and nothing nothing seemed to help. I was still feeling mm. sick. I was still feeling bloated and the symptoms hadn't really gone away. So I don't know if you want to dive deeper into any anything that I've mentioned or continue on this uh, route. No, definitely. Like I, I like one of the things because I've seen you post about before is is talking about what also was going on for you emotionally and mentally during that time because you were obviously not feeling great having these gastro you know problems but you were seeing the weight go and you were seeing a smaller version of yourself that you you know you hadn't really seen in a while like how how was that for what was that doing to you mentally like was it were you more wrapped up in dealing with what you know kind of trying to figure out what was happening or was there a part of you that you know, I don't want to, I'm, I'm trying to guess how I'm phrasing this. Like, were there things that you liked in terms of like how you looked or like how, you, you know, outside of the, not, you know, the, the physical feeling, like what was going on for you mentally during that time? Like, were you, you know, was it all fear? Cause you didn't know what was happening. Cause you knew there were times where you were binging and it still wasn't affecting your weight. Like t- t- take us through that. Like where, what was happening yeah. then? So, I mean, yeah, I had these binging cycles, but at this point I wasn't I wasn't purging. Mm. Um and like I said, we'll get into that a little bit later on. But yeah, mentally, I mean, I could care less if I was sick. <laughs> at this point, like I had lost so much weight that I like I'd felt so confident because mm. for once I could see, you know, abs and I didn't have this big old pot gut. Right. And I didn't have a double chin. My clothes, like the clothes that I had bought um, when those two years started were like, I didn't buy any new clothes and I wore the same clothes and the clothes were absolutely ginormous. And people like other, (laughs) other missionaries in that mission would make fun of me and like, ask me like, why, why don't I buy new clothes? And I just brushed it off. But like, Deep down inside, I felt so confident and I felt like it was such an achievement that, mm. you know, wearing those clothes just, it made it even better. And, you know, again, I, I was confident. I didn't, I mean, I wanted to figure out what was wrong with me. I wanted to figure out 
what exactly was going on with my stomach and why I was feeling the way I was. But I didn't really care what my parents said. I thought, you know, I looked great. And I, I honestly feel like this is where the body dysmorphia started. And this was right. probably, this was back in 2014, um, middle of 2015, that this, this all started. And from going from 210 to down to like 140, it, I mean, it, it's quite a bit away. It's not, I mean, it's not oh, yeah. pounds, but, you know, it's enough to make people you know not recognize you if they'd seen you before all that weight had come off and honest like i mean as great as it was i feel like now that i look back at it it did have a negative impact on my mental health mm. it what what way where did where did that so is it because we one of the things that you're pretty open about is is dealing like you were saying with body dysmorphia and uh -huh. it's i think there's a there's something really powerful in that realization that you've got this kind of unknown circumstance going on in your body but it's giving you a result that you had wanted for a long time so it almost seems like there's a tug of war going on like and and, and i think that makes sense then that your your brain and body would start to kind of cope with that by creating that dysmorphic behavior and those shifting your perceptions of yourself and um I, i'm sure i don't know like did you run into experiences where people who didn't know what was going on for you were you know congratulating you for for the size change or like the <laughs> the appearance change like w was that there yeah and see that's the thing like with friends from high school that i hadn't seen for over two years or girls right. i hadn't seen like those were the people that congratulated me. Those were the people mm -hmm. that I wanted the attention from. But like those mm. that were close to me, like my family, I mean, they were telling me I looked unhealthy. Mm. And again, like this body more dysmorphia came in and I honestly thought that I had to lose more weight um, because I wanted to look like the people on Instagram, you know, the people on YouTube that are just absolutely shredded. That right. Probably aren't natural. And I thought, okay, I'll just have to lose, continue to lose weight. And at some point, I'll end up looking like them. And I know that sounds so bizarre, but body dysmorphia just, it changes your perception and the way you think about mm -hmm. yourself and achieving goals. And again, like people had walked, had seen me in the gym, people had saw me at the store and they're like oh my gosh i did not recognize you i didn't realize that you know you'd lost so much weight you look awesome and i soaked all that in like oh yeah i loved hearing it i mean there's times till this or like like there's still times till this or i can't even speak right now there's still okay. times <laughs> that 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 does happen mm -hmm. and it, it still makes me happy um but it definitely boosted my confidence and going back to like high school and junior high and sometimes like later years in elementary i you know i got attention from girls but <laughs> it wasn't the attention i wanted like not right from the girls that i didn't want it i mean i know that sounds kind of rude but 
at this point in my life, I was finally getting the attention from the girls that I liked, from the girls that mm. I wanted the attention from. And that changed everything. I was honestly kind of cocky because I felt like oh, yeah. I could get any girl because I was skinnier. And mm-hmm. I was I was one of those guys. I was on Tinder. I was the type of guy to slide into DMs on Instagram. And I knew I could get any girl I wanted. And once I started getting the girls I wanted, like that even boosted my confidence even more. And so I I kind of felt like, okay, I've got to stay at this weight. I felt like everyone liked me and loved me right. a lot better at that weight. And I guess that's, again, where losing all that weight affected me it affected my mental health in a bad way was mm. it created these this perception that everyone liked me when i was skinny and everyone was attracted to me more when i was skinny and so going back to the health like going on, like what was going on with my health right right had finally i mean I don't really feel like they were very confident in it, but they diagnosed me with, with IBS. Mm-hmm. So the diet Which is that I would, irritable bowel syndrome for anyone who might yeah, not know. Right. Correct. Okay. And so I decided, you know, I'd follow the eating plan that these doctors would give me, but I'll also do like the pro bro, or the, like the bro split in the gym. Mm-hmm. Just eat the chicken, the broccoli, and the rice, like all the gym bros do. And I was honestly trying to lose more weight. Right. And I restricted. Nothing seemed to help with my stomach. The the high fiber kind of destroyed my stomach. The sugar, trying to like trying to count count macros and doing if it fits your macros, didn't help my food addiction. It didn't help the stomach issues I was having. Um, So I would restrict a bunch. And this is when the binging cycles just got worse and worse. Mm. And I knew I had to stay at that weight. And I wanted to stay at that weight so bad that I started purging because Mm. I realized, oh, you know, I, I can eat as much as I want of anything that I want. And I can just throw it up. I can get rid of it. it it'll be like it never even entered my body. Mm-hmm. And my parents had started to caught on uh, onto this. And I denied it. I said, you know, no, I don't have an issue. I just feel sick. But when in reality, I, I felt sick because I gorged myself of, you know, junk food. I had binged on a bunch of garbage. And... It got to the point that my mom took me, <laughs> took me to the doctor as a, what was I, 20, 21 year old. And she wanted me to talk to the doctor and she'd left the room. The doctor asked me like, do you have bulimia? And I denied it. And I said, no, you know, I just, I feel sick again. Like I'd said, I gorged myself. So obviously I'm going to feel sick and I denied it. And things just got worse mm-hmm. um, until I had found keto. Now, my intentions in the beginning for keto, I guess, were not that great. 
I'd seen, I think Jason Whitrock was probably one of the first keto guys that I saw. And I mean, I'm, I'm sure many people know of Jason Whitrock and the type of physique yep. that he has. I mean, the guy is absolutely shredded. Um, and so in a way it gave me the perception that, okay, I'll just eat keto and I can look like him. Mm. I know, again, I know this sounds bizarre, but this, for me, this is what body dysmorphia has done to the way I think and the way I do stuff. Um, oh, it, it, and I think like, cause I, you've said that a couple of times now, you know, like the looking back on it, you know, it was bizarre. Like, I think that's a natural response, you know, knowing where you are now, like we, the, at that time, you know, those behaviors just were a natural outgrowth of, of what you were dealing with and the wants you had and, you know, what you're those driving forces were telling you to do. And so it's, it's, it's a natural response to look back on it and be like, why did I, you know, why was that okay (laughs) to me? Like, why, like, I look at, like, I honestly, like, I I look at, like, when I was, I was over 500 pounds, like, and I was okay with it. Like, I wasn't freaking out and running around screaming when I saw 500 pounds on the scale. Like, I was kind of more giddy and thought it was hilarious. Like, yeah, I, I think we, like it there's a there's a really interesting progression to me in this experience for you where you know it went from being overweight you know when you were younger and eventually you know obviously went to you know a place where your weight was lower and you wanted it lower and but it, there's still that sense of disorder shaping your perceptions that that you know shaping your behavior like what can you do because you've got these forces inside of you now you know the dysmorphia the the food addiction and the desire to, to have that, you know, keep that confidence there because I, you know, you, that feels good when people tell you you're looking good oh, yeah. and those things are, that kind of reinforcement is really sometimes incredible, you know, in terms of the endorphin response, you know, it's like you were saying, like, even now when people see you and say, you look great, like we know, <laughs> you, we can know that we're doing things that aren't great. Like when, when I lost weight in 20, 2011, 20, in 2013, like by the end of getting to my, like my, my goal weight. I was starving myself and I was restricting calories like wild. And uh-huh. I knew on the inside that what I was doing was not healthy behavior, but I was getting all of this. Re- like people were coming up to me and saying, we're so glad you're not going to die. Now we thought you were going to die. Like this incredible, like reinforcement, like, wow, if I don't keep this up, you know, are they going to worry about me dying again? Like, are these people going to freak out? So that, you know, obviously when I dealt with, you know, massive regain and things along those lines, like, that was a huge mental challenge to see all of that go away. Like the congratulations go away and the re- that reinforcement and you're left with what you've got left inside your head. And I can see for you, like, you know, how, how that behavior is, you know, in a lot of ways, just as disordered when you were just binging, you know, just binging and not purging. Yeah. But then the attractiveness of that, you know, to where, where we are mentally, it it can seem natural that, that you start doing something like that. I talked to the keto road about his bulimia and, you know, he, he talked about how it just became something he's like, wow, like you like almost echoed the words you said, like I can eat all this food and get rid of it. And it's like, it wasn't there. Yeah. And you don't think about what does that mean for your body in 10 years and 20 years? Like we don't, we don't think about consequences when it comes to like a, that kind of disordered mindset. And, when we're trapped in that place, like we think more about in that moment, what are we doing? That's one giving us the feeling we want to get, but also reinforcing these, these greater issues. So to feel your confidence grow and then put some 
and I don't know if I'm even phrasing this right for you, you know, so correct <laughs> me if I'm wrong, but like, I can see there being almost like a fear inside that if you don't keep up kind of doing these quote unquote, you know, worse behaviors, is the weight going to come back? Is that all going to go away? Is that yeah. confidence that you finally found going to flee? Because we don't trust ourselves. We don't trust that that confidence can be real. So can it, can it disappear as, as quote unquote quickly as it arrived? You know, so, and I, I feel like maybe for some people it, it can, but mm-hmm. for the most part, I, I don't think so because people are in such denial and I, right. I mean, I've always been in denial and it's only been till recently that I've accepted it and I've realized, you know, I've got an issue. It was an issue. And, you know, exactly like you said people i mean i'm going off track but i i want to bring it oh, up it's okay. because i think it, oh, yeah. I, I think it needs to be said is that social media as good as it is people are only seeing your highlight reel or for most mm-hmm. people you're only seeing their highlight reel and you're not always going to know what that person is struggling with or um, the dark moments that that person goes through. Yeah, they may have had this transformation, but they may have, you know, deep, dark secrets behind that that transformation mm. and um, bad behaviors that helped them get there, or even how this transformation affected uh, affected their mental health. Mm-hmm. So yeah, going back to what you said, I, I think, I feel like it's it's easy to gain weight. I feel like it's it's easy to get a bad eating disorder, but it's hard to come out mm. because people are in such denial when it comes to that type of stuff. And I mean, for me, John Jonathan's really helped out a lot, and it's. At KetoCon, like like we talked about um, recently, I think it off air that KetoCon really helped a lot of us out mm-hmm. and create a lot of relationships and friendships with people. And I was actually able to create a really good relationship with um, a certain person at KetoCon, and you know I. Just talking to her helped me realize, you know, I'm not the only person that struggles, uh, you know, because I, I feel like for guys, eating disorders, body dysmorphia is hard to accept because there aren't many guys out there that mm-hmm. will say they have these issues. And so I kind of felt like I'm, I was the only guy and I was the very, how do I put this? I felt alone. And so when mm-hmm. Jonathan opened up about it, 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 it helped a lot. And it helped me realize, okay, I've, I've got more of an issue than I realized. So, it, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be straight up and honest. It's still something that I struggle with till this day. I mean, oh, yeah. I, have the, I know my triggers. I know what triggers um, the disorder. And I do my best to avoid them. And 
I'm gonna, I mean, I'm not perfect, and mm -hmm. I'm not the type of person that, how do I put this? I, I do eat keto, but when I hit, when these triggers go off, I'm obviously not eating keto. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it's a daily battle till this day. I mean, you've got your good days and your bad days. So. Oh, and I, I think you're right. Like you can, ha we can have these great moments of awareness, you know, where we realize we're not alone and other people are struggling with these same issues. And that doesn't necessarily mean that our struggle gets easier. It it just means maybe we know there's more support we could reach for. There's more resonance and it, it opens some doors for us to start exploring new avenues for helping us deal with, with what we're dealing with. But I, I, I actually spoke with someone last night, not in the keto. He's not in the keto world. Um, he was over 400 pounds. He lost his weight and he did it. Uh, he lost the weight like eight, eight or so years ago. And he's kept it off for eight or nine years, which is, you know, incredible is, is like uh -huh. a lot of ways, like he's the unicorn that everyone's looking for. Like, how is he doing it? And, and he was blunt and said, it's still a struggle. Like nine years later, I'm still, you know, I face the same exact challenges, the same exact feelings. Like we're as human beings, we're incredibly resilient. But we accept things so readily into our psyches and our personalities and our behaviors that I, I don't, you know, there's never a magic wand that's going to take it all away for us. But we learn, you know, how to, like you're saying, like you're now more, you're more aware of those triggers. And does that mean you can build on that? And um, I, I think that's an important thing for people to hear that they don't have, they don't, they shouldn't feel like they're doing something wrong because they're not able to flip a switch and be that perfect person on Instagram. Like you're saying, they're not, their life doesn't have to look like a highlight reel to be, you know, to be that they're doing better. Like better is, is an, is a better condition to get to than you know, where you're at, if you're at the bottom, like I, I just, I, I hope that, you know, especially men listening, realize that these struggles are things that so many of us face. I, I think it's, um, Lauren Berryhill, keto coach Lauren, in one of her recent podcasts, talked about and in her speech on the low carb cruise that that more men deal with body dysmorphia than women statistically, but less men talk about it. Oh, I believe so, it. So this having dialogues like this and and starting to explode, like I I appreciate your openness and talking about like you're you're not coming on here today to say, and you know five weeks ago at KetoCon someone said they had body dysmorphia and I was like so do I. And I'm done now, <laughs> you know, like that's, that's not how this works. Like, or if you're dealing with a, a weight issue and a food addiction, like it doesn't, you can start to feel different, but it doesn't necessarily mean that everything changes. It means that sometimes like you're, you're like, you're clearly showing in your story that problems, you know, sometimes that problem behavior just takes a different form. Yep. And well, go ahead. Go sorry. Ahead. Go, I was no, just you gonna... go ahead. I, uh, go back and add to what you were saying about your buddy losing weight. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like a lot of us that have lost weight and have come from, yeah, just coming from a former, being a former obese fat person, however you want to put it, though that relationship with food, a lot of the time follows. Mm-hmm. 
because our brain has been wired that way for so long. It, it's something hard to get rid of. And I feel like that's something that I struggled with because, you know, I lost the weight so fast, but I never realized how bad my relationship was with food until mm. just recently. I mean, looking back, like being in high school, I didn't worry. I didn't care what I ate. I ate as much as I want. And now looking back at it, you know, I, I can understand and see that there is a, there was an issue. There was an issue in elementary school. There was an issue, um, in high school and it just because I lost the weight doesn't mean that my relationship with food is completely different. And I think a mm. lot of people need to realize that people need to, you know, before anything better that relationship with food. I mean, the weight, I mean, the weight is important. But in the long run, digging deep and finding what is causing you to have this bad relationship with food is probably more important because if you're going to, if you have a good relationship with food, the weight will come off. I think that makes complete sense. And building that, your, your relationship with food obviously has continued to evolve. So you, I to jump back into your story a little bit, because I, I want people to hear kind of like where some of these changes arrived for you. Um, you you talked about finding keto and, and maybe finding keto for not the best reasons, you know, mentally, <laughs> but, you know, like wanting, you know, looking at it and seeing it like seeing Jason, like, let's if anyone out there doesn't know who Jason Whitrock is, you know, he's a bodybuilder like he's got a he's got a fitness physique. You know, he's definitely a physique model style guy. And, um, he's also a powerful voice in the keto community. So, so you went keto, uh, what happened for you then? Like what, how did things progress from there? So other than, I mean, feeling like crap during the keto flu, my stomach, like my, what doctors diagnosed as IBS got better. Oh, wow. And I didn't have any digestive issues i i finally felt like i wasn't bloated mm. and the longer i did keto i mean the less cravings i have i mean i obviously i how do i put this i feel like a lot of people say that the cravings completely go and maybe this is just me but i i don't think my cravings for for foods that i enjoyed back when I didn't do keto will never go. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, but anyways, going back to what I was saying, uh, the cravings did subside a little bit. Um, and my stomach issues did feel, I, I just felt better. I wasn't bloated. Um, and then once the big, uh, carnivore community just blew up i ended up trying carnivore and i feel like that healed a lot of issues that keto couldn't heal because when someone's doing keto especially if you're starting out and i'm sure you and a lot of other people in the community have had this experience but you want to copy every single thing that you used to do. You want to copy oh, yeah. all the recipes. You want to have your treats. You want to have your snacks. Um, 
And so that's what I would like. I feel like the issue that I had with keto was I was spending all this money to get the sweeteners, to get all these special ingredients, to make these keto treats and these keto snacks. And eating this artificial sweetener and stevia and swerve and whatever sweetener it may be just caused me to have even more cravings. Mm. And I finally, like, like I said, once I moved over to more of a meat-based diet, I feel like it healed a lot of wounds that weren't healed by keto. I feel like my mm. relationship with food got even better. My cravings were even less than uh, they were on keto. Um, I mean, carnivore for me was so simple. And again, I feel like I healed a lot of that bad food or that bad relationship that I had with food. Um, but I mean, it adds up eating carnivore, <laughs> at least for me, um, can get pretty pricey, mm. but keto carnivore, I feel like all in all has helped me out, not just physically, but it's helped me out mentally and it's helped me mm. realize um, you know, if I do put on weight eating all this meat, but I feel better about myself, if I feel happier with the person I am, then, you know, that's all right. Um, and I, I just went blank. Oh, it took, no, I, I think you hit on something really powerful there that, that, you know, I, I, not everyone I talk to on, on this show is, is a keto person or a carnivore person, but. I, I have talked about my own keto journey and how it's affected my relationship with food. And I, I think you talk about experience healing on a physical and an emotional and a mental level in terms of that relationship. And it, it speaks to the powerful connection of all of those things. Like our our emotional state and our mental well-being are intimately linked to the physical reactions of our body. Like the the hormonal swings and the chemical pieces. But I also think like we talk, you know, a lot of people in this in the fitness space talk about the impact of stress on the body. And, you know, stress can be just a mental factor, but it's affecting you biochemically. Like right. so by getting into like that that eating way that way of eating, like I it's it it can definitely create some of that freedom there for you. Like I know for me, like I was keto for a year and a half. But I was like lazy, dirty keto. Like I was the keto you were talking about. You know, I was making substitute pizzas and I was big into making, you know, keto treats and finding the night, the next keto ice cream, the next hot keto ice cream and things along those lines. <laughs> and when I started working with my coach, who was the aforementioned Jonathan, I, I don't like to mention him too much because he gets a big head. Um, <laughs> but um, and I really I started counting total carbs and I took that number down and in my in my it was my own decision because in theory like you know I, I do 10 grams of total carbs a day i could have figured out a way to do 10 grams of total carbs that was all erythritol or all almond flour something along those lines but i knew then for me that i wanted to try to take a, a kind of a quote-unquote i hate the word cleaner but a cleaner approach to the food and just doing that for these past you know seven months or so has been a breakthrough for me in terms of how i acknowledge my relationship to food how I handle my cravings, like you're saying, like, 
I think anyone who says their cravings are 100% gone when they eat keto or they eat a certain way are, are not being honest. Like, <laughs> even if, and, and I think some people aren't being honest with themselves. Like, I, I think it, it can be, a, it can almost be a high to, to not feel like I, I had an intense physical and psychological addiction to food. Like, I talk about how for that first year on keto, as much as the food was helping me, you know, and healing my body. I still, no matter what I ate, would white knuckle, white knuckle through the, the 15 to 20 minutes after each meal, no matter what I ate. You know, it could have been baby, baby arugula with chicken on top and olive oil, which to some people is not, you know, is not this hyper palatable dish. Yeah. But I would finish that and sit there and then start to be like, wouldn't it be really great to make a skillet pizza now? Wouldn't it be really great to dig into a jar of nut butter? It's all keto. Just do it. Like, that's where my head would go to immediately, like having to do that. And now, those voices are lighter. Those voices are quieter. And for the most part, like now I can start to identify where my triggers are coming from. I have a, I, it's, it's not that I feel like I'm healed completely on all those levels, but it's given me this strength that I needed physically to be able to handle the emotional side of it better. And, uh, and I think it all, it comes into concert with each other. And um, I look at like your story about discovering like carnivore and, um, other people that also have done that and just have talked about, you know, being able to find that place then of, of knowing that, you know, maybe they're not, you know, their, their diets, when some people look at them are like, really, that's all you, you just eat meat, like meat and salt, especially like the hardcore carnivores that are doing just, you know, beef and salt. Um, but I, I, there's a power to, to changing that. And, and it, it exists on so many levels. Like it's not, it's not one or the other. It's not just. I fix something physical and everything else is great. It's not I fix something emotional and mental and everything's great. It's I'm starting to see the power of those things working in concert with each other. And using these tools to be able to give ourselves that awareness, I think is really I I need to honestly use a use a thesaurus and look for synonyms for the word powerful because I, I, I say <laughs> it way too much. But it's I mean, there's a power there for you to be kind of being able now to kind of acknowledge you all of these behaviors more and having a, a sense of, you know, not always control, but a sense of like what's causing it, where it's coming from. And just even the, the, the act of, of getting more into paying attention to your food creates different mental processes for us where we start to become, we start to question things more and think about how do those sweeteners make us feel and how do those things affect us? And I know if I have a week where I go heavy on stevia, like sometimes I can get really into putting stevia in my coffee, specifically, uh -huh. uh, specifically sweet leaf English toffee. Um, that can be like my jam some weeks. But I know if I'm doing <laughs> when I do when I do that every day, I start to see these other behaviors start to pop back up, and these other feelings start to come back up. And I'm like, oh, it's because I'm I'm going heavy with that sweet thing, and and doing that sweet thing heavy is not something that ends up being healthy for me in the end. Even if I'm not, <clears throat> excuse me, even if I were to do blood sugar testing and, you know, it doesn't have an impact. Like, I know there are people who keto and say, you know, it doesn't impact my blood sugar at all. And my ketones are still high. And so, like, I, I can eat whatever, you know, whatever I want as long as it fits this model. And I think it's great if someone can do that. But I know for oh, yeah. me, you know, there's other facets to this. You know, I, I was, you know, super heavy for over 40 years. You know, I, I hate talking about my age during this episode because I start to feel like, am I old enough to be your father? Um, <laughs> which I guess I am chronologically. Um, but 
for me, you know, I, I treated my body that way for so long that, you know, whether it started as a choice or a physical reaction to food, it became the ingrained behavior and it became my life. And that's not going to go away overnight. That's not going to go away with a few years of healing. Like there's still going to be those challenges and I, I need to be aware of where they come from and I need to try to, you know, like I, like today, for example, um, I, I have been, I'm a long professed nut butter addict. I've talked about it on the show before. I think there's probably some people who are going to tune out for a few minutes because they're like, oh, great. Gourmet's talking about nut butters again. Um, but you know, I, Miles. I, I <laughs> yeah. oh yeah, Miles. So you should see some of the DMs that Miles and I have had about nut butters. And, you know, he is sometimes the devil on your shoulder and sometimes the angel, um, you know, when he starts to talk to me about new, new nut butters and he realizes that I start to get a little hyper about it. And he's like, OK, I'm going to stop talking to you about this nut butter right now because I don't want you to, you know, be triggered by it and go into a bad place. <laughs> but I've started reincorporating it back into what I do, because for me, it's as much as it's something I enjoy. It's also, you know, I'm I'm testing how I react to see how I handle these things now. and. For the most part, it's been fantastic since I've done that. You know, I took kind of like a six or seven month break from them and I've started doing it, you know, once or twice a week. And I had nut butter today and it was it was fantastic. And then I realized as I'm sitting there 20 minutes after I ate it, I was thinking about it a lot and was like that nut butter is just in the drawer. You could take a spoon and take some more. And I, I had to kind of make some choices and, and, and do a couple different things to get myself out of that headspace, but it's so easy to, sometimes to go back into. And then I also think about, I've been talking a lot lately about my freedom with nut butters and how I feel better about them. And do I talk today about that? Like, do I share that with people? But I think it's important, you know, I, as, as much as I'm someone who loves the highlight reel of my life, I also share um, the dark, not so nice pieces. And I want people to know that as much as I can feel so much better about my relationship with that food, it doesn't mean that things are perfect. Yep. That's exactly right. And but, so where uh, Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. You go ahead. I don't wanna I don't wanna cut off where your no. your thoughts going. You <laughs> I I was just gonna say, I mean, going back to what you were saying, um, with bringing food back in, I mean, I as well have brought stuff back in as well. I mean, right now, um I drink raw milk. I'll have mm -hmm. a little bit of raw honey maybe before a workout to give me that extra jam in the gym. And Wait, you're eating carbs? I <laughs> not not not, not a lot, but I am incorporating a little bit before workouts. Oh, that's awesome. I, I'm not I I don't want I right now, you know, if people are listening to this from a year or two from now, they might have not have any idea what we're talking about, but you know, there <laughs> there's the there's the heated keto carb debate going on oh, yeah. right now so i i have to make fun of that a little bit just so that there's some people out there listening so if you're out there panicking now because ethan started to talk about honey um go to your safe space and come back we'll still be <laughs> here it's okay yeah take a breather it's okay you know shove your face into a sink full of water and scream you're gonna be fine and so so you Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Go ahead. I'll just riff <laughs> on making fun of people for for hours. So like we get, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to cut you off. I would. I would agree that honey and milk are some of the most heated debates, especially not not just in the keto community, but in the carnivore community. Mm. But anyways, I mean, I've incorporated stuff back in, and going back to 
talking to that person at KetoCon, she mentioned, you know, if you're going to binge, if you have an episode that you're going to binge, at least for me, some people this might be completely different, but what she said just made complete sense to me. She said, if you're going to binge, you know, binge on meat, binge on high fat food, like high fat uh, meat. And if you eat three pounds of steak in a sitting, you eat three pounds of steak in a sitting. If you, and you know what, you may gain weight, but the mental impact isn't going to be anywhere near that the impact would be if you're binging on sugar or mm. other heavily processed foods. And so that's something that I've, I tried to incorporate. You know, if I feel like I need, like if I've got triggers going off, if I know like this is just going to turn into a train wreck, I'll get my meat prepared. I'll go to Wendy's and I'll buy eight, eight uh, quarter pounder patties and just eat them all. I'll eat until I am absolutely stuffed. And I know this sounds crazy to some people and it sounds unhealthy, but it helps me because it's not, I don't feel like the meat, like I said, is having the same effect because it's not hitting those dopamine receptors that mm. sugar has. Um, so that that's something that has helped me along the way. And that, I mean, I could even recommend to other people that are struggling with a binge eating disorder on keto is to just, you know, if you're going to binge, binge on meat, <laughs> binge on pork rinds, binge on carnivore friendly foods. So what you're saying is don't do a pan of keto brownies with two pints <laughs> of keto ice cream on top and no. then say, well, there's only four <laughs> net carbs here, so I'm doing great. See, and that's the other issue is I've that, that's how it was. That's what I did in the beginning. You know, I'd go and buy myself some keto ice cream and finish it all off and then make another keto treat and tell myself it was perfectly fine because it only had <laughs> this amount mm. of this certain amount of carbs. So I I feel like that is another what is how do I put it? How do I phrase it? It is another idea that we need to get rid of in the keto community like just because it's keto friendly doesn't always mean it's the best option so oh no that's that's a great point like there's a difference between something being quote unquote like yes at the end of the day keto is a metabolic process and you know something could be keto friendly but if you don't respond to it in a way that's healthy for you you know, especially psychologically or even physically, then it can be as keto friendly as it wants to be. You know, foods are inanimate objects. You know, it's how yep. what we do with them that, you know, causes those issues. And, I, you know, we, you know, I, I, I talk a, a lot with friends in DMs about there's a lot of like big keto accounts out there that are posting desserts every day. You know, and there's something new every day, you know. And I get a thrill when I see them posting them because I'm thinking, oh, oh yeah. can I make that? Can I make that work for me? And then I also get frustrated because I watch what I know what happens to me when I do those things. When I make egg loaf or when I make something along those lines and I douse it in syrup, you know, sugar-free syrup and 
for me, the reaction is different, you know, not only physio- physiologically, like if you bit like, I mean, I'm sure you've been through this, like if you binge eat on some of these keto foods, the gastrointestinal distress you can have can be a lot worse than if you just ate, you know, a box of Hostess Twinkies. Like, you know, let's not, you know, if you eat enough sugar alcohols to kill a horse, like, you can feel some effects of that. If you, oh, like, yeah. I, I had a weekend, you know, that I've talked about before. Again, here goes Gormy with another story uh, that he told <laughs> before. But there's a nut butter that is, um, I won't say their name, but they're historically significant in terms of their titling. And they have nut butters that taste like desserts. And I ate four jars of one of them that tastes like pie one weekend. <laughs> and as much as I enjoyed, you know, psychologically, I enjoyed that the heck out of that binge. Like I literally ate thousands of calories of almonds over a weekend. Uh-huh. And you put that many nuts in your body, you're dealing with four or five <laughs> days of some very interesting side effects. Like you're there's not there's consequences there. And so you know, as, as much as you're saying, you know, yes, you know, that using meat in, in terms of a binge behavior um, is not, I, you know, ideal at the end of the day, it's, it's not causing the same impact as binging on four dozen keto cookies or uh-huh. something that is going to generate like this other, because we, we know there's also been the danger of like just the, the sweetness and, and all of that causing triggering us to go back to the real stuff. And once you go back to the real stuff, like, you know, let's good luck. Like it's, you know, so, and, and, you know, a lot of people in the fitness and diet community say, you know, if you can binge on chicken breasts, then you're really hungry. And I'm always like, "Mm, (laughs) I could, I could be not hungry and binge on. Yeah. Like it's, it's a big, like, you know, if, if eating plain chicken breast and plain broccoli without butter and salt and pepper on it seems appealing to you, then you're really hungry. And I always want to be like, um, I will take that challenge and I will show you that I could, I could binge on chicken breast a lot. Like, you know, it's, there's, there's a different approach. And what it comes back to, like, to why I was talking about, like, those accounts that post desserts and some of them also then post about, how they're dealing with weight stalls and cravings still, and they're not conscious of why. And I want to, I want to shake those people and be like, maybe just don't have dessert tonight. Like try to, you know, use your, use your calories differently. Um, but also there's several people that do it and they're consistently dropping weight and they feel great and they don't feel bad side effects. And it's because we're all different in terms of how we react to food and you know, what are, what are backgrounds and upbringings and our, our, patterns of behavior and our disorders bring to us like we're all different and that's the other like that negative side effect of seeing everyone's highlight reel and their gorgeous food pictures is we start to think sometimes well i could eat that too and i could be fine with that because they're fine with that and then i do it and i'm not that i mean we see the eye eye to eye on so many of these things and i i feel the same i with the people that, I mean, I'm not going to look down on those people. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to think badly about those people. I mean, if you're hitting your goals, kudos to you. Good job. But I just <laughs> I just don't want to hear you complain about it. Right. Um, and I'm not the type of person to have those. I mean, maybe every now and then I may post a keto recipe that I made, like a keto dessert recipe that I made for my family or something. But, I mean, 
I'm I don't make them because they don't work for me. They mm. cause me issues, but if they work for you and you're hitting goals, that's you know good for you. But I I guess in the end I don't want people to think that I'm so anti dessert because I do feel like every now and then you gotta enjoy yourself, whether that's with a keto dessert or maybe having a cookie at a big celebration or event. Um, but there's there's also one thing that came to mind, and I'm sorry, we we kind of jumped so much. Oh, it's okay, it's okay. Like we've been on hit just about everything in this podcast. Um, but I think whether you are keto, whether you are carnivore, whether you are, uh, if you fit your, if it fits your macros, I don't care what you are. I think something that people need to understand is you need to start, like I said at the very, very beginning, you need to fix your bad relationship with food mm. from the beginning. If that means going and talking to a psychologist, go and do it. Because by, like I said uh, at the beginning of this podcast, if you fix that relationship with food in the beginning, not only are you going to be able to hit your weight goals, but you will be so better off mm. in the future and be a healthier person. Um, because I personally feel like my body dysmorphia, the eating disorder that I've had, I know I've said it many times, but it's affected me mentally. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by mentally is it's killed my confidence. And I mean, we talked at KetoCon, but I was the type of person to like go off and do my own thing because this, this eating disorder has affected me socially. Mm -hmm. And I get super shy and nervous. And before, I was nothing like this. And it's it's something that it's hard to crawl out of. But, like I said, people, I mean, if you need help, go get help. If you need my help, you know, I'm more than willing to talk to you about any of the issues that you're having, any eating disorder. Um, but I just, I want people to know that there are other people out there struggling with the same issues you are having. You know, don't, don't feel alone. Don't let it get to the point that I've let it get to and cause social anxiety and the other issues that have occurred in my life. That's a great point because... As much as sometimes we reap a benefit from those disordered behaviors psychologically, there's a price we pay. You know, there's there's a price you pay, you know, here's like the increase in anxiety and, and lack of confidence and, and that coming back into play as much as you're getting some kind of, you know, endorphin rush or dopamine hit, you know, from the from the different behaviors. Like where what I would I want to so like you because you're talking about, you know, you yourself as a resource and wanting to you know being there to talk to people like so where where do you feel like you're at now like let's you know ethan today like where where have you come to um with what you're dealing with and um do you feel like 
you're you're finding the tools you need to help you you work more on the on those behaviors and those challenges you've identified that that is an awesome question and i i'm also a little bit nervous to answer this question mm. because of what people are going to think because like i said instagram is a highlight room mm -hmm. i probably won't i probably will i may post about a cheat meal but i I mean, to be completely honest and straight up with my followers, with your followers, with anyone that is watching this, I do have carbs every now and then. I am not, I'm still trying to find that um, self-control right. uh, to, you know, you know, stay strict. But then it's also brought up the point that, you know, Maybe keto has caused a lot of these issues. Maybe restricting so much has caused the mental problems and the bad relationships with food. So I've had to take a step back mm. and really look at where I'm at, what I'm doing, and how I'm eating. Um... And I think it's it's hard for people to hear, but I feel like a lot of people that come into the keto community come in with bad food relationships, and restricting food can cause an issue. Oh, yeah. So some of the tools that I have in my bag and where I feel like I'm at is, number one, if I, I usually, if I'm going to cheat, I plan it out. And I try to keep it in a sh like in a meal instead of a day. Um, that way, I can have more self control and tell myself, "Okay, I'm going to start at this time. I'm going to stop at this time." Um, and then number two, like we talked about, if I'm if I feel like I have to binge, if I have one of those cycles, it's going to be on me. Mm. I'm going to eat as much meat as I. Can want and as much as i can because it i mean meat is palatable but i don't feel like it's it's nowhere near processed food hyper palatability um and then number three is obviously i've started bringing back in more carbs um like honey because i feel like if i do have a little bit of that sweetness it's <laughs> It's not making me have that FOMO that I usually have when I see other people in, like gorging themselves in sweets. Mm. And it's not like I'm eating a whole thing of honey. I measure it out. I won't, I'll have like maybe a teaspoon or a tablespoon. Um, and then if I get stuck in a situation that there aren't very keto-friendly things i will do my best to eat the whole foods um and not the processed or sugary foods so i don't know if that answered no i think it the question i think it, very no well. i think it really does because i think it's important for people to hear like especially like if they're someone listening who has no idea who you are and they go right to your page like i think it's good for for people to know that even someone, you know, who has a strong presence is, is a work in progress. Like we're all still works in progress. And I, I like hearing, you know, you talk about 
the evolution of your behavior and, and trying to work on identifying, like, do these, do these different things. Hey there, everybody. So as you may have noticed, we had a little bit of a technical issue, and I'm hoping we can line this back up. We were going to a really great place and had some great stuff going on. And, you know, who knows, maybe somewhere out there in hacker land, someone didn't want us to talk about this. But uh, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to jump back into this discussion because we've, we've talked for a while, but I feel like we still have, you know, we, we can't just wrap this up and say, and we're done. Um, I didn't, I didn't want to do that. Like, we were talking about relate the importance of the relationship with food and working on your relationship with food. And, and I talked about that sometimes we can bring how we're eating like into, into line with a certain plan or program. But if we're still in that disordered place with our relationship with food, the new behaviors can be just as, as harmful or just as challenging as the old behaviors were. So maybe you're not gaining like, Maybe for me, I'm not gaining massive amounts of weight anymore, but am I still dealing with, you know, pressure and psychological stress and things along those lines from my, from how I'm eating. And, you know, you were getting into, you know, as much as keto helped with your, your gut issues, you know, did that getting into a strict eating pattern start to reinforce some of those disordered patterns that you were, you were, that were existing for you and that still exists. And that's what I want people to hear uh, from our discussion is. One, you know, how, how open you're being with your story, which I think is fantastic for everyone out there, because I think there might be some people who will look immediately at the cover photo of this episode and think, well, it doesn't look like this dude dealt with that much because we go <laughs> off, which is exactly what we talked about with, you know, people coming up to you in the gym and saying, you look great when you know you were still, a you know, still a mess yeah. with your stomach issues and bloating and all of those things and the disordered behavior starting. Like, I, I think. There's layers to all of us. And I think that's an important message here is that um, don't just judge exactly what's going on for a person. Like I've talked to people that are fitness model level physiques who struggle with eating and eating disorders just as much as someone who's 500 pounds. It's just it manifests differently in all of us. And that's the, the wonder and the, the, the awful side of humanity is that we're we have such a, a diversity in our experience that you know we we all can face there's so many different challenges that i sometimes think like something like a, a psychological handbook can't have enough pages in it to handle how everyone's issues manifest and permeate and and happen in their lives and working on your relationship with food is so important like i i lost over 300 pounds in 2013 you know by the, by 2013 but I regained almost 300 pounds in a blink of an eye, an almost blink of an eye because I did zero to work on my actual relationship with food. I changed what I was putting into my body, but I didn't think at all about how my body reacted to what was getting put into it. And it enabled me to fall back into those patterns. And, and, and you were talking about kind of where you are now and, and what happened for you. So I want to know, like, are, are there things like, so you've, you, you, I'm hoping that people got to hear, you know, you identified three different things that you have that you're doing to help um, with with the behaviors that you're still struggling with. Um, are there other things that are like where where does Ethan go from here? Uh, that, that Which is... maybe that's not even a question you were thinking about, like, yeah, you know, where no. like, but I, I, I think like and I'm not asking, like, I, I don't need you to share your five year plan. Um, but even just thinking about like uh, 
how do you approach the next day that comes, the next week that comes? So right now, I mean, I'm I'm finding what works for me. And mm-hmm. something, I mean, in my uh, relationship with my wife, I think one of the biggest arguments or, I guess, disagreements we have, or I wouldn't even say disagreements, just one of the biggest discussions we have is diets and the way we want to eat, the way we want to feed or what we want to feed our children and how we want to raise them. And I'm a firm believer in a low-carb diet, whether that be keto, carnivore, or even a lower-carb paleo diet. I am a firm believer in low-carb diets. Um, Now, with that being said, I think it's important for people to find what works for them. And like we talked off air, it's, I mean, I don't have that Cinderella story. I am still currently trying to find what, what works for me and use the tools in that bag to get me where I'm going. Um, I guess in the end, what I would love to happen is get past all this, that at some point have that Cinderella story, and get to a point that I can open up you know, a clinic to help people with these issues, to help people with eating disorders, to help people with obesity, with type 2 diabetes, just an obesity clinic and eating disorder clinic. Because I, I personally feel like I've been through it all. I got bullied. I've been that fat kid. I've had the eating disorder. I, I mean, maybe not all of it, but I feel like I've been through most of it. I feel like I'm able to connect with people, a lot of people, because I understand. I understand where they're coming from. I understand what they're going through. And I feel like that's, it's, it's hard to talk to people that haven't had these problems because they, I don't even know how to put it. They just, when I talk to my wife, because I'm open to her about my eating disorder, I mean, she's very caring, she's very loving, she's very helpful, but some of the stuff I've done and that I've told her I've done, it just doesn't make sense to her because my brain, mm-hmm. in a way, is altered, and, I mean, it it just doesn't make sense to her, but then... I'll go talk to like Jonathan or other people that have struggled with body dysmorphia or an eating disorder. And it's like, (laughs) we make all these connections. Um, Or even with you, I mean, with being overweight, I feel like we've seen eye to eye on so many things. And what you went through, I mean, I may have not gone through everything you went through, but I was overweight. And I feel like we're able to connect and understand each other um, because of that. And so I guess where I'm going with this is I want to be open. I may not post, like I said, my cheat day on Instagram, but I want people to understand that I'm not perfect, that I will have my cheat days. I am still trying to get better. And at some point, I would like to just say no cheat days once and for all, but I'm trying to find what works for me. And I want to be open with people and I want them to be open with me because I want them to be comfortable. I don't want them to feel like, how do I put this? Sometimes when 
in this community, I've felt like I'm the oddball out. I don't feel like I'm normal because I feel like everyone in the community is so strict and so good on their diet that I just, mm. it gets to me mentally and it causes me, like, it makes me sad. It makes me mad at myself. And so I, in a way, I want to, you know, let people know, you know, I am a firm believer in low-carb diets, but I will have a cheat meal every now and then. And if you have one and you're still hitting goals and you've got a healthy relationship with food, you're fine. That's normal. You're not the odd person out. Um, I feel like I'm kind of rambling on right now. but No, I, I think you're, you're hitting something really important, like two, two really important points. Like one, as much as people on the outside of our experiences can have empathy and almost a clinical understanding of, of what we're doing and why we do the things that we do, unless it's something that they've experienced, there, there isn't going to be that recognition of pattern and of reasoning and of just the emotional support there. Like, that's one of the things I thought was really magic for me about KetoCon was, you know, being able to sit around with a group of people, like, especially like some of the, some of the guys I've connected with are, are guys that have all dealt with, you know, like weight issues like I have and being able to talk to them in person and face to face and be real about, you know, even talking about like going to dinner or walking around the KetoCon floor and sampling things. And what are we all dealing with, with that? Like there was a, there's a power there that allows for a deeper, deeper growth in terms of like even just feeling validated and it doesn't mean that the empathy of a person on the outside is any less valuable or any less you know it doesn't mean that they don't care and i think sometimes people get that feeling like oh well because i didn't because i didn't have that because i wasn't 500 pounds i can't understand you that's not what i'm saying yeah but what i'm saying is that deeper understanding connection sometimes is very healing for us Oh, yeah. And so, like, I think, like, what you're saying is, like, and I've had conversations with people at KetoCon who have said, because I get a lot of requests all the time for people who want me to be their coach or their mentor or things along those lines. And I don't personally feel like I'm in a place yet to offer that to someone. But I've had a couple people throw it back to me and say, there's a reason people are asking you for that, because they want to connect with someone, not just who's going to tell them what to do and all of those things. But more, they want to be able to connect with someone who's gone through a similar journey so that they can feel like more comfortable when they have to open up and say, I had that cheat meal. I had this happen. I had this X, Y, and Z happen. Or I ate this and I'm feeling that way. Like I know with Jonathan, like I can tell him, you know, I stayed on point today, but I'm sitting here dealing with raging hunger and I'm stressed out and this is driving me wild. Like, because I know he's not, when he says, I understand. It's because he's dealt with a similar feeling. Oh, yeah. And there's there's something really kind of great about that that connection. And then I think, like, you, you were talking about, like, you're wanting to be, you know, open and, and have that, you know, have what you know is the ideal, but you also are realistic about what works for you and what, what is working for you right now. Um, I think it's okay to do what works. And I think someone out there who incorporates like i don't want anyone like we we talked about like the keto dessert posters and that kind of thing <laughs> i don't want anyone to think that we were sitting here hating on people oh yeah, yeah because if sure. someone does like i honestly like i i'm someone i don't do cheat meals and i'm uh -huh. pretty open about that because for me 
cheat meals have always been what have destroyed me. Uh-huh. Like for me, a cheat meal isn't something that I can like. I listened to your your talk like when you were explaining to me how a cheat meal operates for you, and I was jealous, you know, honestly, because for me, as much as I can sit down, like I every time I've planned a cheat meal in the past, and it's derailed me completely. I've gone in with a solid plan. I've gone in saying, you know, I know that, I, you know, by taking, by eating this food again or having this happen, I'm going to gain some weight. X, Y, and Z is going to happen. I'm going to put these limits on it. Like, I think when I first was trying to convince myself in 2010 that I was going to start having some quote unquote of my old favorite foods again, um, I told myself, just keep it to the weekends. And that, that'll be something that'll, you know, you'll survive and maybe you'll put on 20 pounds. But heck, getting into the 250, 275 range is a whole lot better than being 540. So if you're able to eat that food and also have that, you know, you put on a little weight, then hey, you're fine. Uh, obviously, I didn't manage any of that well at all. Um, because for me, I'm just not in a place where I can do that. But if someone is out there and they're like, like you were saying, like feeling, putting yourself up against the pillars of the community that have this kind of incredible behavior, you know, this ability to stay really strict and to stay really focused and, you know, admirable qualities, but also challenging qualities. Um, I think that's a natural reaction that a lot of people have. Like, I know a lot of people get it. Like, I get people asking me a lot, like, not just do I have cheat meals, but it is okay if they have one. And my response is always, if it's something you can manage and is a livable part of your life and you're still hitting your goals, then do what you need to do. Yeah. I'm not going right. to sit here. I'm not going to sit here and validate someone and tell them, yes, definitely do X, Y, and Z in any direction. Because I've learned that I need to identify for me, you know, the best ways to do things and the best ways to make things happen. And I think like you're saying, I, I don't think it comes off as a rejection of those people, but I would, you know, I think a goal, it sounds like what you're saying is, you know, a goal for you is also to be able to navigate those waters, like not just navigate the waters of your own behavior, but navigate the community and the experiences of the community and not feel like you're being pushed out because your behaviors don't fall in line with those of of some other people you're standing among. (laughs) You've hit it right on the head. And to be honest, like you're explaining what I haven't been able to explain, like you're what you're saying makes sense, and it's what I've wanted to say. I, I mean, I could go back and say, you know, I'm jealous of you. I'm jealous of the people that can stay strict. Right. And I'm not going to say that my that the cheat meal goes as planned 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Miles mentioned it in, his, in the podcast with you that, you know, if he's going out of the country, if he's, if he's got a trip somewhere, yep where he wants to dive into the culture he's obviously going to try stuff that's maybe not so keto friendly and i i feel the same way i mean i just recently got back from slovenia Mm -hmm. and i did my best to keep it low carb but i'm gonna be straight up i had gelato i -hmm. had some of the slovenian cuisine um because it's not like I'm going to be able to go to Sylvania multiple times in my life. I mean, right. I, I, I agree with you. I don't think, how do I put this? That if someone came up to me and said, can I have a cheat meal? 
I wouldn't say yes. I wouldn't help them, I guess, validate it. You know, if, if it's something that works for them, if it's helping them reach their goals, yeah, but find a way to control it. Don't let it become uh, a binge or turn into old eating habits because what we're trying to do is change your current eating habits and to better them. And, and if it does become those things, think about that. Like, be conscious in your reactions. Don't just see it as, oh, God, I did the same thing again. Or, oh, <laughs> I screwed up. Yep. Like, don't don't go right to, like, I think our natural propensity as human beings is to beat ourselves up right away. And yes, I there are times that I, I say, you know, like, I, I've said a lot in my journey that, like, I love myself, but I don't always like myself. And I cannot like love my it. behaviors, but I can still try to work on identifying what brought that behavior about why did I take that extra scoop of something why like I honestly like I still because I'm such I love cooking and I love elaborate cooking and a lot a big part of elaborate cooking is like tasting as you go but sometimes tasting as you go for me would become four extra spoonfuls <laughs> even of just straight olive oil because like oh I love the I love the burn of the olive oil or extra a scoop of you know cut two pats of butter to put in the pan when I'm going to sear the steak and take an extra pat of butter for myself. Like, and I still sometimes will do that without even thinking about it. Like yeah. I've had moments where I've either already swallowed that pat of butter or it's in my mouth and I stop and think, why did you do that? <laughs> and I, and then I'm like, it's sound this. I'm like, if anyone else were here right now, when they were watching me spit this pat of butter out into a napkin and throw it away, they would think I'm insane. But that's how ingrained that behavior can be, that it can be a natural, like I, I remember when I was fully in the throes of my, my kind of my food addiction, I would find myself, like even when I first went keto, I had this, I had this, there's a pizza place that's like a mile from my house that I passed on my way home from, I host trivia a couple nights a week for people that don't know. And they're open till midnight. Trivia usually ends around 11. I pack up and I'm out of there by like 20 past 11. And my thing was every Wednesday night by 1130, I was at that pizza place and they do like different flavored slices and everything, you know, different types of pizza. And the guys there, got, I was literally there so many times a week that they got to know me. So if I went in, I would buy one pizza slice at 1130 and I would get a box of eight to 10 slices of pizza because they would just give me what they were going to be throwing away. And that was my thing. Like, I was almost like saw them as like my best friends. Like, uh -huh. and when I, first decided that I was going back onto like a controlled eating program and pizza was not on the menu anymore and all of those things, I would still pull up on my way home and, and be like, wait a minute, what are you doing? No. And then drive away. And it would just be that I was, I lived my life on that autopilot and those things were there. So like you find yourself falling into those behaviors, but I pulled away. I didn't walk inside, order the pizza and then be like, what are you doing? Like, and to me, that was a victory. You know, when I started and then I started driving home a different way, so I didn't pass it. And now that's my natural pattern. Like, I don't even think about it anymore. Like, I, I drove by there the other day and I realized that I hadn't driven by there in months. And I was like, oh, there's, you know, there's that pizza place. Like, that used to be the place I was. And I was in there. I was buying slices three or four times a week and on the weekends getting a whole pizza twice. Like, I was there a lot. Like, they had, like, free loyalty cards. <laughs> where you could have pun you could have punches for your slices and for your whole pies 
Uh-huh. And I was probably like, I talked to one of the guys once and cause I was coming in, I think for like second time in a month to get a free pie. And you had to buy six pizzas to get a free pie. Oh my God. And these are New York style, gigantic pizzas, like uh-huh. not small pizzas at all. And he just made an offhand comment once of, yeah, we don't have a lot of people that come in with, for the free whole pizza. Uh, <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, I probably, but it's like, you, you know, I'd become like, just, it, it, it's, it's intense, like those, those patterns and those behaviors and changing them. Is, and the point before, like you, you were saying you rambled at one point, like I'm rambling now about pizza, um, which is, you know, <laughs> I, I can back off of that. But I think the point I was trying to make was, so say you decide to approach something like me with nut butters. Like also um, there's like, I haven't touched uh, keto ice cream and probably, I don't know, like, or any kind of low carb ice cream in probably nine months or so. And I had a, an, ice, an ice cream company reach out to me because they're starting a new keto line and they wanted me to, you know, they want me to be able to like test their new flavors and post about it and, you know, the influencer thing. And now I'm throwing that word. Now I sound like a douchebag just saying, you know, the influencer <laughs> thing. Um, and I had this, they, they, they reached out to me and I didn't respond right away. And I talked to Jonathan about it and he was like, well, what are you thinking? Like, are you excited at the prospect of them sending you a crate of ice cream? Or like, are you really thinking about what you'll do with that ice cream? Like, what, where's, what is the decision you're going to make? Like, if you're really any, and, and, and the thing that he said to me was like, I expected, cause I, I sent him a, a screenshot of the email and I said, I got this email yesterday. What do I do? And I think I expected him to say right back and say, no, thank you. Uh-huh. And instead he said, well, what are you feeling right now? You know, wh- what is, you know, what's your reaction? Like, and initially there was also, there's that whole like, oh, wow, they thought about me. Um, but then I thought about it and I was like, you know, this is a brand that I like. This is a brand that I support. Like, is it time for me to, to experiment a little bit? And would this be a good controlled way for me to experiment? Like, uh-huh. can I, can I get these six flavors of ice cream, which, you know, I'm not allowed to say the brand or the flavors. So don't stop asking, <laughs> Ethan. I'm not going to tell you. Um, about to. Oh, I know, I know. I knew it was coming. But I made the decision to reach out to them and say, yes, I'm interested. You know, please send it to me. But then I also put into place, I talked to my sister who likes some of these things too. And I said, I'm going to do this ice cream experiment. You know, I might need to show up at your house and drop all the ice cream off. Uh-huh. You know, just know, like, if, if I get... Because right now, the way I'm approaching it is from this perspective of, I think I can have, you know... I can do a measured serving and, and react and, and rate one a day and, and control myself. But if I find myself, when I attempt that, that I, I don't feel like I'm in control, I want to know that I have a plan in place for how I'm going to react. Uh-huh. I want to know that I can make some better decisions now because that's the difference for me that I need, the, the, the choices I need to make are, there's, I can't, I don't want to see food as a boogeyman because oh, yeah, I think that sure. also was a part of my relationship with food was going from food is good to food is bad. And now I don't think food's inherently good or evil. I think, well, I do think there are some foods that are inherently evil. Like <laughs> I, could, I understand you know, we, what you mean. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, I mean that there's, I don't think that if I'm existing within that space of foods that fit within my dietary requirements and things along those lines, can I approach them with a more metered perspective? Like, can I? Can I approach it as something that isn't something I'm going to do every day? Like, 
in the past when I've bought, you know, there's a, a company that made a marshmallow ice cream and it wasn't available locally to me. So I went on Amazon and I bought a 12 pack of pints of this ice cream and had it shipped to me and paid an ungodly amount of money to have it shipped to me. <laughs> Probably almost as much as the actual cost of the ice cream. And when I got it, I was eating measured portions, but I ate measured portions until that ice cream was gone. Because yeah. I wanted it. You know, I was like, I became like obsessed with it. And, and I really want to, I want to know, like, is this something that I'm, I've, I've actually gotten to a point that I can approach from a more rational standpoint or isn't it? And I'm sure there's some people listening who are screaming, <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. But there's a part of me that says I, I need to, I need to be a little dangerous because I need to have a, I need to have that measure and I need to, and I know also that I've got people around me that will support me and hold me accountable if I do get out of control. And I know that I'm committing to myself that I'll be open about the experience and what happens. And um, I can feel, I feel good about that. I feel, I feel excited about this idea. You know, I'm excited to see how it is. Like oh, yeah, realistically, it, it could taste like crap. Um, you never know. Um, but I, I, I get excited now about the prospect of discovering this new relationship with food and this new relationship with my body and not trying to always define myself by my past uh -huh. and wanting to see like, what does the future hold and does the future hold the same behavior? And if it does great, I know how to address that behavior now. You know, I, I know that. what works for me, but I can't, I don't want to live in fear of, of food and of experiences. Like, uh, and again, my, the other cliche gourmet story besides nut butters is, you know, I've had a friend who several times has said, so you're never going to eat cake again in your life. How are you going to live your life without ever eating cake again? And my initial reaction is always, I've eaten enough cake for 10 lifetimes, for 10 fat men's <laughs> lifetimes. So if I never eat cake again, I, I have to approach the day thinking I'm never going to eat cake again. But if like you're saying, like, because like one of the things that has been a dream of mine is to go to Europe because I've never been before. I've never traveled overseas. I was too big for the planes. Couldn't fit an airplane bathroom, so how could I make a flight, you know, a transatlantic flight without going to the bathroom? Like, just even that uh -huh. fear. So I really want to go to Ireland. And one of the things that's big for me has always, in my life, has been Guinness. So I've always talked with friends about wanting to go to the Guinness factory. And, you know, Irish soda bread. There's specific foods, you know, that you associate with the culture there. If I'm in Ireland and I have the opportunity to tour the Guinness factory, am I going to have a Guinness? Yes, I am. If I'm here in Providence... And I'm sitting at a bar hanging out with friends and they have Guinness on tap. Am I going to have a Guinness? No, because it's always there. Like it's not yeah. about the moment or the experience. But if I can <clears throat> tie something to an experience, you know, like you were saying to like, when are you going to get to Slovenia again? You know, have the chance to have that food in that location. You know, there's a different that's a different approach than convincing yourself that it's OK to have <laughs> something that's off your plan. Like it's a completely and I think there are some people who hear it and say it's not completely different gourmet. Shut up, it's the same thing. Oh, I but see, I yeah. think there's a there's a mental nuance there that I think is really important for those of us that are working on building stronger relationships with how we approach food. And and so I, you know, one, I admire your built your willingness to say, Yeah, I went there and did that. And two, you were able to say, Yeah, I went there and did that. And it's now doesn't have me changing my you know, the name of my Instagram account and the name of my page, because now I'm completely off in a different direction. Uh-huh. I, I so. completely agree. I, you hit some really good, well, you hit a lot of good points. And 
again, like I feel like we see eye to eye on a lot of these things. Mm. Um, and if you don't mind, before we end, I just want to say, like, it doesn't matter how many steps back. I mean, I it does matter, but if you do take one step for forward, two steps back, or two steps forward and one step back, like, don't beat yourself up for those mm. those steps back. I mean. I feel like the issue that I have and the issue that many people have when it comes to eating healthy is they beat themselves up more for the Mm. steps back that they've taken than the steps forward that they've taken. Um, And, you know, congratulate yourself. If you've taken a small step forward, give yourself a pat on the back. You've taken two steps back, forget it, move on. You know, Mm. be a better person. Uh, progression becoming a better person is the most important so that that's just what i last thing i wanted to get in before we wrap things up definitely Um, like that's i i just think that's perfect like i i think like what you're saying you know the words that i hear are hold yourself accountable but don't fall into that trap of, of beating yourself you know, don't fall into that, that trap of berating yourself because I know like my perspective on that is we beat ourselves up because it allows us then to fall even further. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, it's that, it's that disordered behavior saying, you know, yeah, you are trash. So if you you don't deserve to treat yourself right, why don't you just eat the bad food again? Do it again. <laughs> you know, like I, I mean, I feel like I honestly, like sometimes I feel like those I get taunted by those voices in my head, you know, go ahead and do it. You know, why not? Why won't you do it? Like, don't holding it. It's really just about framing your perspective and, and working on that. And um, I just really appreciate you you sharing that with people. And yes, we you and I now, I think, dep- based on like our part one, and we've got a part one and a part two to this episode. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I really want people to know how they can reach out to you, Ethan, and, and the best way for them to connect with you. Because I feel like there's going to be a lot of people, men and women, like a lot of the audience is, is this, this podcast is about the stories of men and the experiences of men, but women need to hear those stories too. So I know a lot of the audience out there is women that are listening. Um, if they want to reach out to you and connect, what's the best way for them to do that? I'd say Instagram. I'm most active on Instagram. I've got a Facebook page, but I'm not as active on that. So shoot me a DM on Instagram if you want to get a hold of me at fit underscore and underscore ketoned. Um, let me, I mean, like I said, I want to help people and I'm not looking to charge anyone a dime. Like if anyone needs help, if anyone needs a buddy to talk to, if anyone you know, needs some encouragement, I'm not going to charge anyone. I'm honestly, I made the page in the very beginning to just help myself but to help other people Mm. so i want to continue with with that um i guess same idea and concept well that's that's awesome that's awesome man and i hope that people will reach out to you and i also hope that you know that we'll be able to see kind of where your journey continues to go like i i admire the progress that you've made um i i think we started way back and and it brought you up to today and like you said you know you've you've still got a lot of life ahead of you and i'm I'm excited to see you know the opportunities that come forward for you and what you're able to do with them because i feel like you've got a great perspective 
on, on the resource that you can you can be and you can build for people. So thank you for that. And thank you for coming on the show uh, to talk about all of it and, and just your candor. I really appreciated it. No, thank you. And you as well. Um, I mean, I'm one of the many people that you've inspired and your story is inspirational. So appreciate the time and I'm excited to see where your journey and <laughs> how this podcast um, goes or what people have to say or I guess advice people have. <laughs> so definitely great. Well, thank you again to Ethan for coming to join us this, this, this time on the fat guy forum. I am your host for me. You can also connect with me on Instagram is probably one of the best places. That's for me underscore goes underscore keto. Gourmet goes keto on Instagram. Also on Twitter at Gourmet goes keto. No spaces or underscores, just Gourmet goes keto. And you can, as always, email the show at the fat guy forum at gmail.com. Every time I come to the end of one of these episodes, I want to remind you that you can do something today to amaze yourself. And I think talking with Ethan tonight, one of the things that's come into to, to perspective for me is that amazing yourself isn't always about doing something miraculous or huge steps. It can just be about making a small change that gets you closer to where you want to be, like Ethan was saying, to better yourself and to move forward. So do something today to amaze yourself, because I know you're amazing people out there listening. Thank you all again for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on the Fat Guy Forum. <music>